So this is a story of getting caught in the crossfire of real-life bullets and getting caught in racial and cultural wars. It's my story of reporting on the LA riots in 1992. So here's the scene. A jury in L.A. has just acquitted four LAPD officers of beating Rodney King after a car chase. An eyewitness caught those beatings on videotape, and the tape shows four white officers beating on King, who is black, with their batons like he's a piñata. The not guilty verdicts come in around 3 p.m., By 6 p.m., the folks in the black communities took to the streets. Anger and frustration boils over, and it was yet another example for many that there was no justice and no equality if you were black. During this time, a a white truck driver was driving through the area close to the epicenter of the L.A. riots. People on the streets were beckoning for the driver to step out, and he had been listening to headphones. He had no idea what was going on. He thought it was a street celebration. He opens his door, he steps out, he's dragged from his truck, and bricks were used to smash in his face. This was all being covered from the air by news helicopters. It was simply too dangerous to work the streets because the mob mentality had gone amok. So the choppers overhead kept the citizens across our state, our country, and the rest of the world on what was unfolding in the City of the Angels, which is what Los Angeles means. The L.A. police chief decided the streets were far too dangerous for his own cops, so he pulls them from the streets. Public anger grew. People were lighting stores and cars on fire. Now, since the cops had retreated... The fire department pulled its firefighters. So the angry crowds were getting bigger and bolder. So we're a three-member crew, TV crew, from San Diego. The reporter, me, photographer, and our, our sound person. So people were watching what's unfolding on their TV sets. People were told to stay in their homes for their own safety, and the freeways were basically empty on our way all the way up. But we were listening to the news radio, so we knew what was going on. We had heard that people in Compton were raiding grocery stores and other businesses, so we rolled there first. I was a driver. My photographer was leaning out one window trying to get video. The sound person was leaning out the other window trying to get sound. Now, both of them are white, and I figured that my Asian face would buy us some goodwill and possible cover in this uncertain environment. The problem with that thinking was there was great tension between African Americans and Korean shop owners who ran the markets in the black community. Both sides didn't trust each other, they didn't respect each other. There was some bad history. A Korean shop owner had shot a young woman for getting a container of orange juice. So there was very bad blood. So there we were caught in the crossfire of racial and cultural wars. We witnessed people breaking into storefronts, stealing what they could, TVs, refrigerators, furniture. We also saw parents running into the markets, grabbing baby formula, diapers, and food for their families. Again, these scenes were also being shown because of the choppers overhead, the news choppers overhead. Now, you may wonder, why would good people tear up their own neighborhood? 
If you see the stores where you're living getting looted and destroyed and you don't know when or even if those goods will be replaced for your family, you may do what you feel you need to do in order to stock up for your family members. Kind of what we're maybe watching with this coronavirus when people are hogging everything off the stands, off the stores. So we're in our news crew, we're cruising slowly down the middle of the street, taking what video we can. And I told my crew, if anyone approaches us, I'm hauling out of here. You guys just put your heads back into the car. We're getting the hell out of here. So those were the days before cell phones, and we knew that the cops and the firefighters were no longer there. So we were on our own. We stopped to the side of the road to basically look at the overall devastation on what's happening in L.A. And in every single direction that you're turning, L.A. is on fire. And then we get caught in the crossfire of real live bullets. So besides the cops and the firefighters, the media were also targets. So we got the hell out of there and headed for the area where the riots started. Block after block and building after building, everything was on fire. Devastation, destruction everywhere. Our video catches it all. So then I decide, okay, we need some sound, you guys. And they look at me like I'm nuts because that means we need to interview people. And they're saying, we've already been shot at. What the hell are you thinking? And I said, we have to get the story. We have to get people to talk to us. So we head toward a gas station where it's lit. And we find a family, a dad, a mom, a young boy about seven. And they tell us how they're caught in a vicious cycle. They speak of decades of racism, injustice, anger, police brutality, frustration. And they speak of great fear. And they speak of fear from gangbangers who are ripping up their own neighborhood. And at that time, we get caught in the crossfire again, live bullets. Bullets ring out. The mother I'm talking to screams, grabs her boy, runs this way. And she says, you hear that? You see this? This is what we live with every day, every night. That gunfire and that violence. So I look up and I see this car full of four guys. And I go, get over here. And to my surprise, they come over to us. It was, it was very stupid in retrospect to do that because we knew that they had guns. But they come over, and the first young man I'm talking to who fired the gun was very high, and he's speaking gibberish. But there's a guy in the back seat who agrees to talk to me, and he describes being caught in a vicious cycle. He talks about the frustration of being born into a hood that offers no way out, no good education, no good jobs, no good training, just a dead end. So we get our interviews and they take off without firing another shot at us. And then we find a young business owner who's watching his dreams literally go up in smoke. He had worked very hard to open up a store in his own neighborhood because he wanted to give back to the people that he grew up with, and he wanted to offer decent goods and services. He was tired, anguished, and yet he told us he understands the anger and the frustration because he had been caught in a cycle growing up, but he had hopes of breaking that cycle. And he pointed out, this is a black neighborhood with businesses owned by black folks, and we're destroying our own businesses. So our crew caught and captured those stories and those images. And then it was up to us to connect those stories to people everywhere. 
And they are stories of the human condition. They happen every day, everywhere, all over the world. And when you cover news long enough, the story never changes, just the names and the faces change. So this is a story of struggle and unfairness and people who continue to fight the good fight. So each of us can get caught in the middle of chaos and what do we do with that? Powerful stories can connect. They can touch our hearts, they can open our minds, and my hope is that they can affect change. So if you get caught, capture the story, connect it to others, and do something about it, because that is the best mitzvah, which in Yiddish means good deed. Thank you.